Amen. So yeah, we're called to be the light. Period. This world is full of darkness. This world was full of darkness before the coronavirus hit. This world was full of darkness before the stock market tanked. This world has been full of darkness uh, since the fall of man, okay? And we're called to be the light. And thank God we have the ability to carry the light. Thank God that we don't have to believe in God and just, just get bombarded and, and, and pounded into smithereens until we come to see God. We can have the Holy Spirit of God in us. And when we speak, we can speak as the oracles of God. The power to be a light in the darkness, it comes from God. The ability to be a vessel formed and fashioned by the hands of God, it comes from God, right? And, and God pays the light bill to keep us going as his light. So it's all him. It's all him. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. It's all him. Our job is just to look up and to trust him. If you could turn your Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verse 11. If you're at home tonight and your, your, your family's there, why don't you maybe encourage them to come in, uh, sit down and enjoy the message, open up God's Word. God's Word is so powerful. God's Word is, God's word is so powerful. I'll never forget when I first started teaching the kids in junior church, I said to myself, I'm like, well, one, they got the wrong guy to do this, first off. So let's just get that, that cleared up. Number two, if I'm a little kid, I don't care about the Bible. That's stupid. As a little kid, I mean, that's, that's how I would look at it. I wasn't saved until I was 23, so I guess who's the stupid one, right? But, uh, you know, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of the children, I'm like, well, they're not going to want this. I never, I maybe taught a couple of kids' classes up until that point, like one or two. But uh, I said to myself, they're, they don't want this. this. This is like school but with the Bible. Okay. And I tell you what, I could never be more wrong. They remember the stories. They remember the messages. They remember the verses. They take their Bibles home. They read them. They ask their parents to read them the Bible before they go to sleep. This book is powerful. If you are home right now in quarantine 2020 and your kids are about to eat you alive and take over your house and not pay the mortgage. Just read them the Bible. This book is powerful, I, I promise you. I've had parents tell me my kids have started behaving all of a sudden. It's not me, it's just stupid idiot me open up the Bible and reading it to them and letting God's word wash over them. This book is powerful. If you are here tonight and you're watching this live stream and you don't think this book is powerful, you're wrong. This book is powerful. So let's turn it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I went off on my tangent. I never turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, for that I apologize. Uh, we're going to start in verse 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. The Bible says, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. 
And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, Lord, we uh, are here tonight, um, Father, uh, to worship you. Lord, we're here tonight to also hear from you. Um, we're here tonight to get blessed by you. We're here tonight, Lord, to bring our prayers before you, our problems before you. Lord, the people that um, are burdened in our heart, Lord, we bring them before you. Uh, Lord, we're here tonight to, to hear a message from you. I'm here tonight to hear a message from you. I'm not just here to run my mouth, Lord. I, I want to hear from you. Um, I want to open up this book and have it be a blessing to me and be a blessing to every single person that hears it. Father, please hide me behind the cross um, and just lift up Christ. When they see and hear me, uh, just a sinful man like any other, probably worse than most, Lord, I pray that they just hear Christ and that they hear the voice of God from this book being read and that it blesses them tonight. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we're here for you. Um, and we want to give you all the honor, all the praise, and all the glory that you deserve. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We see through a glass darkly. Last week, Brother Rob preached on being the light, being a house lit on a hill, right? Let me ask you this. How are you doing with darkness? How are you doing with darkness? Right? Everything stopped. You know, what's the, 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 what do they say, the elephant in the room? Yeah. Uh, the coronavirus. Everything stopped. Right? The train, the, the brakes have been hit, the emergency brakes, and all the cars are all slowing down, the journey has ended. Uh, everything's different right now. How are you doing with darkness? You know, there's a lot of different types of darkness that come after us. And we're going to talk about some of those tonight um, because I believe that now there's an unprecedented opportunity um, for the devil to go after your life, go after your families, go after your testimony, go after your heart for the Lord. Go after your uh, routine. Just like Brother Rob said, we also have a great opportunity. Let's not get it twisted. We have a great opportunity to, to have an unprecedented impact on the lives of those around us. We have an unprecedented opportunity to be a bright and shining light in the midst of a dark world. If you're a 50-watt light bulb and the world's this dark... Well, if it gets that much darker, well, you've just shined that much brighter just being who you are. So don't forget that. You know, we don't have to be something that we're not. We just have to be the vessel that God's called us to be and maintain that, maintain our walk with God. Um, maybe add some new things, you know? I've been lacking. I mean, this is not, I'm not telling you, well, I've done this and this. I feel like I'm behind the eight ball, and then I've wasted the last few days, and then I could have done more, and then I could have established more um, special things in the life of my family. Maybe take 10 minutes to open up the Bible before dinner. You know, we go, we scarf our food down, right? Maybe we pray. Let's try to do a little bit different. Let's try to slow it down a little bit. 
try to take some time to read. I know a lot of us out there have some extra free time. You know, I know I do. Try to do something special for the Lord instead of let the darkness overtake you. Um, a lot of our finances have darkness right now, right? A lot of us have, uh, um, have a lot of us have drastically altered career paths, um, uncertainty in the job market, uncertainty in our jobs, have lost our jobs, have uh, had our jobs been put on hold, um, our industries might be turned upside down. Um, you know, I try to fi follow finances and economics a little bit. Um, a lot of people say we're headed for a recession. A lot of folks, experts, say we're headed for a depression. A lot of people say that it could be the end of America as we know it. There's a lot of darkness. We, we see through a glass darkly. We don't know what is to come. But what we do know is that this book has some answers, right? This book has some light. Just open it. Just open it. The last, I'll share this with everybody, the last, um, my last career, I, I was in the car business, and uh, I had been doing that for, I guess, seven years or so, and God blessed me, you know, and I had a, a great career, and, um, you know, I was well-established, had a nice client base, over a thousand clients, and, you know, it was great. Like, it, was, it was very much like an autopilot kind of thing for me. And, you know, some days were more challenging than others. Um, I used to work with Brother Rob. He'll tell you probably one of my bigger challenges was, was people. <laughs> but, you know, I learned and grew and tried to um, be, be better dealing with people. I didn't want to be some, you know, arrogant, uh, stuck-up person. I wanted to, to be uh, as best a person as I could be. I wanted to be a great Christian car salesman, okay? I know they have bad reputation, but you can be a great Christian anything, um, you know, if the Lord's in it. You know, so I did that for several years, and God blessed me, you know, and then the Lord put on my heart to, to go into a new industry. And I'll tell you what, from a financial standpoint, uh, it, was, it was drastically different for uh, a long time, for months and months and months and months and months. Um, and many times I wanted to quit, uh, but the Lord just kept me. He said, he said, no. He's like, you can't quit. I'm like, but Lord, like, get your calculator out. Like, this don't work, okay? Like, account went negative, God. Like, y'all know what that looks like, right? And I'm like, God, like, you're closing the door. You're closing the door. And I'm not saying that, you know, I, uh, I went in the closet and prayed for 10 hours and said, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm sticking with it by, by hell or high water. I'm just going to live by faith. No, it was kind of like God was like dragging me along. Like, nope, can't quit. Nope, can't do it. And so I'm like, all right, well, you know, <laughs> I'll try to keep a good attitude. And uh, some days I didn't. Uh, but I said, you know, I'm going to try and keep a good attitude. And God, if you have me doing this, um, you're going to have to figure it out. I'm like, it's your problem. I heard a great pastor, He's, he has um, been an influence in the lives of thousands. He said, he said this, he says, just hold God to his word. He wants to prove himself. He says, he says he'll do it, just tell him he's got he's to he's come through on his end. To so just hold him to his word, because he wants to come through. So I said, you know what, God? I said, I'll hold you to your word. He said, oh, man, I'll hold you to your word, you know? I'll hold you to your word. And... I mean, when I mean bills, 
coming in, I'm talking, I'm talking mentally, I could picture myself sitting on a beach with a tidal wave coming. And I'm like, Lord, like, I'll just, I'll take it at your word, but I mean, my calculator just blew up trying to figure this out, because I just don't see, you know, like, got property taxes coming, got this other bill, got that up. I'm like, Lord, how's, how's this going to work? He said, just trust me. I was like, okay, okay. And I've been praying and praying. Well, don't you know the coronavirus happened? Don't you know that allowed me to, to put all of my bills on hold for the most part? Don't you know business all of a sudden started to ramp up for me? as everything else seemed to collapse around me? Don't you know God tapped me on my shoulder and said, Hey, Justin, I told you I had a plan. I told you I had a plan. Take your calculator, throw it out. Gave me more time to learn, take the burden off a little bit, a little bit more time to get better at my career. Like, wow. Wow, Lord. We see through a glass darkly. We see through a glass darkly, okay? What we do seems foolish to the world. Why don't you go back to your other job? You got a family to feed. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm thinking. But God told me, no. I tried. I tried. Sat down with the guy. My old job. Hey, can I have my job back? Yeah. Okay. When do you want to start? Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> and then God, and then, and then they closed because <laughs> of the coronavirus. So that door closed. Tidal wave got bigger, but God came through. God came through. My God has a plan. My God has a plan. I wrote a couple notes down. I'm, I can be arrogant, prideful, and dull of hearing. Dull of hearing the Holy Spirit without those times that I'm cut down hard from God. Do I want that? No. That's terrible. But it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Trees don't grow unless they're trimmed right. Right? Hurts. Yeah. Yeah, it hurts. Hurts your pride. Hurts your sense of being a man. Feel like a failure. Why is everything not working? I must be cursed or something. But that's okay. It's what we need. It's what we all need. Coronavirus hurts, right? It's a pretty prideful world, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty prideful world. What about the darkness of fear? How are you doing with the darkness of fear? Uh, I read a survey earlier about how many people expected to get the coronavirus. I don't, I don't remember how many people were surveyed. Um, can anybody guess what the number was of people, the percentage that expect to get the coronavirus from the people that were surveyed? 80, 50? Brother John, you want to split the difference? Just say 65, just to split the difference. 100%. <laughs> wow, boom, bang. 
That, that escalated quick. 100% of the people that were surveyed said, I expect to get the coronavirus. Dang, that's messed up. 71% said they believe the worst has been yet to be seen. I'm not up here to you know, start fear mongering or anything, but just this is reality. I know five people personally who contracted the virus. Five people. One of them uh, ended up in the hospital for, they're still there, I believe. More than 10 days, they got, they were sick. They went to get tested. They got tested. The test came back negative. And then about two days later, they exhibited um, symptoms of pneumonia. Went to emergency, tested coronavirus. About 50 years old, great health. Boom. Listen, a lot of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty. People of all ages are dying. Italy has a 10% uh, mortality rate. 10%. 10%. Now, they do have an older population, but people of all ages are getting sick and dying. Today, the first, um, was the first report of a minor dying of coronavirus. I think it was in California. He was 17, and he went into the hospital, and he had said that he was having some respiratory issues. But because he was not, because of the, the, the wisdom of, of science and the infallibility of, of medicine, they said, you don't qualify to be tested because um, you're not of uh, the group of people that could, could be you know, uh, uh, fatally uh, affected by it. And he went into septic shock and he died. And then they also found out that coronavirus uh, can send you into septic shock. So they learned two new things. You get the picture? Uh, uncertain world that we live in. Uncertain world. But you know what? If you hear that today and you're afraid, you're afraid of dying, and if you really are afraid of dying, and you really are concerned with the reality that is before us, ask yourself, do you know for sure that if you died today, that if you were one of these statistics, that you would know that you'd be going to heaven? Just about 100 years ago, I think it was probably exactly 100 years ago, the Spanish flu ended in America. The main epicenter of the outbreak was actually Philadelphia. It was Philadelphia. So many people were infected and dying that the hospital, they would have the hospital bed, and then right next to the hospital bed, they would have a person laying on the floor. So they would stage people. So when the person in the hospital bed would die, then they would just pick up the person off the floor and they'd put them in the hospital bed that was still warm from the person that just died. I don't really have to like belabor the point. Do you know for certain, if you're listening to this today and you don't know for sure where you're going to go when you die, do you know for certain that Christ died for you? Not in a religious way. 
He died so that you can have life. The Bible says he became poor so that we can be rich. He became poor so that we could be rich. Not poor in money. Poor in something that you can, you can never bounce back from. Poor in the fact that he took upon himself the sins of this world. And he forever bears the marks of those sins in his body. And in his spirit rests our transgressions. That doesn't go away. But he did that for us. That's not, that's not so we can make necklaces with crosses. It's not so we can say, I love, I know, I love Jesus. Oh, I know Jesus, my Lord. Does that mean that, you, that, that you're saved just because you say that? Or do you have a relationship with him? Or do you really know that he died for you? Did your eye diffuse that quickening ray that we talked about from the song? Did the chains get lifted off of you? And were you freed from the dungeon of your own sin? Or did you just become a religious person one day? Did you start going to church? Or did you get baptized? Or did you go through sacraments? Or did you become born again of the Spirit of God? How are you doing in the darkness of loneliness? Um, a lot of people's lives have become a lot simpler in the last couple weeks. Their world has become a lot smaller. Some of their worlds were already pretty small to begin with and pretty simple, and it's just been tightened up that much more. You know, you could be in a room full of people and you could feel very lonely. But if you have no people around you, um, I mean, it's going to be even harder a lot of times. You know, even, even some of us at home, some of us as families, men, women, moms, dads, kids, I've heard all, all kinds of people talking about how they're struggling right now, talking about how it's a tough time for them. If you want to turn your Bible to Mark chapter 6, give you a few moments to get there. The Bible says in in Mark chapter 6, we're looking at verse 3, starting in verse 3. The Bible says, "Is, Is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary, the brother of James, of Joseph, and of Judah, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Talking about Jesus. They're like, you mean the guy that works with wood? Like, and we know his mom and dad and his sisters are here. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And the Bible says, And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Yeah, the Bible says, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. They say that uh, familiarity breeds contempt. Um, 
my wife's uh, former pastor said, you know what, he says, I like to think that familiarity can breed respect. And as we're more close-knit than ever before, maybe we're home more, you know, maybe we're asked to do more things in the house. I know my wife, she's pregnant, and then we have our baby, so there's a lot for her. You know, so since I'm home more, you know, it's more of an opportunity for me to run some errands and do some things. You know, and sometimes I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like I'm home, but I'm still like working, so I can't really do all these things. But at the same time, you know what? Just try to humble yourself a little bit during these times. You know, just try to um, have that familiarity breed respect with your families. Um, because these are the times we're just, we're in such cl- close quarters, we can explode, right? We can um, be a little more snippy, right? We can be a little more edgy. We could be a little less kind because of all that familiarity. Don't let the devil use this time because I promise you, that's one of the things that was at the top of his list. That, was at, that might have been at the very top of his list. If I can get these families all home stuck together and people not working, people not busy like they used to be, get them out of their routine, I can maybe tear this family apart. Maybe I can plant the seeds of divorce this week by the end of the summer, by the end of the year, it's done. You don't think that was on his agenda? You're crazy if you don't think that. The smallest unit of, in, in the, the, the bleh. let's start over. The smallest unit in war, in spiritual warfare, that makes sense, right? Just follow me, uh, is the family, right? That's the smallest unit, smallest squadron is the family. Then you have, you know, the church and the different ministries. But really, the core smallest unit that's not just a single individual is a family. And the devil goes after that with all that he has. And as the darkness of loneliness can come upon us, you know, as men, we may complain about our jobs, but most men, they like to work. Even if they don't like their jobs, they like to work. When you take that from them, it's tough. So as our world becomes smaller, let us draw closer to God. And remember what Christ went through. Christ, he, he went through the same thing. The hardest place for, for Jesus to do his work was in his hometown, was amongst his family. A prophet's not without honor. It means it's a very honorable thing to be a prophet. You know, people, they look up to you. They say, wow, all the great miracles that they've done, just what they were known for. You know, it gave him a sense of purpose. But in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house, those are the places where it's the toughest. That's not a small thing. That's not an exciting thing like the coronavirus. <laughs> That's not... Uh, big, exciting um, piece of uh, ourselves that we need to examine more closely, myself included, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Loneliness can cripple our hearts and leave us unable to shine for anyone or anything. And the devil, he, he, he goes after any opportunity that we have to feel like we're not lonely. And just don't forget, loneliness sometimes it can be, it can be for a couple different reasons, right? 
Loneliness can be because of our own mistakes. Loneliness can be because of our sin. We kind of put ourselves in a box, right? And then we don't really um, step out the way that we could because of our mistakes, and we can become lonely. But God's forgiven us. You know, when he, when he gave his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for us, um, he says that we become new creatures, that, that all the old things pass away and they become new. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. If you're lonely today, call somebody else who's probably lonelier, right? If you're lonely today, pray for somebody. If you're lonely, read your Bible. That might sound like, oh, I don't want to do that. No. You start reading it and you just get a little bit of momentum and say, Lord, help, help me to read it. And your mind is like struggling to focus, then ask the Lord to help you to focus. You give a little bit of time, a little bit of quality time to God, and he'll give you back so much. The brighter that we shine in this world, the more that we can get a glimpse of what's behind that dark veil through that glass darkly that the Bible talked about. And the more that we can shine for God, okay? The more that we can shine for God. You might not have anybody in this world that you really feel like cares about you, um, maybe particularly now, but God cares about you, right? And God wants to see you shine. That's not some corny catchphrase. Think about it. God made you. You're his child, right? He, he, you bring him joy. He wants to see you shine. Like, he wants you to bring home some good grades. You know what I mean? He wants you to tell him about all the great things that's happening in your life. Uh, he wants to know about you. And he cares about you. Let your light so shine before men that they may see God through you that they may see you as a house lit on the hill and they'll give glory to God because of you giving glory to God. Just ask yourself, how's your heart right now? What's it going through? What troubles it? We went through a couple different darknesses, the darkness of loneliness, the darkness of finances, the darkness of fear. Maybe you don't struggle with one, but you struggle with another. Right? Or maybe you don't struggle with any of these, but we didn't touch on something that you are struggling with. Whatever it is that moves your heart in an anxious way, you know, that stirs you up for fear, for uncertainty, just bring it to the Lord. He knows. He's not going to let any tidal wave come and kill you. He's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's going to use that thing. He's going to stop it at the last minute, and he's going to use that as a sign of his goodness to show you his power and his might. And he's not going to consume you. Not at all. Not at all. He's going to show you who's, who's the God of this world. And I want you to ask yourself tonight, do, do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you know what he did for you? Christ removed himself from the right hand of God. Why? Because he looked down on this world. God, God the Father and God the Son, they existed outside of time as we know it, right? God says, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, I'm the beginning and the end. He doesn't exist in the same realm with the same limitations that we have, right? Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that God can see everything I'm going to do wrong? He can see the future and he knows it, so he's not going to do anything? No. I can't tell you all the answers. I know that God loves me, I know that God has stepped in uh, and picked me up from the, 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 the pit of despair of my life 
many times and intervened and dusted me off and then threw me in the washing machine and then sent me to the dry cleaners and then poured bleach on me, you know, and said, keep going. He said, keep going in a very, very personal way. He's not a vague God. He's not old. He's not, he doesn't have a, this huge, like, nasty beard with food in it. And he's, like, forgetful. No, not at all. Not at all. Read the book of Revelation. His eyes are flames of fire. I mean, he's alive way more than we will ever be on our best day. Okay? Okay? And he's, he's, he's trying to draw us to him. We're just little ants just walking along. Maybe we pick up a piece of dirt that's 50 times our size, and that's our big, that's our big amazing moment, right? Ants can pick up 50 times their own weight. Wow, whoop-de-doo. And God is this giant, innumerably larger than us creation that is infinitely more powerful and able than us that loves us. That's it. That's it. And he's calling you. His son, God God the Father, sat with God the Son, and his son said they need a savior. They need someone to bridge the gap between heaven and between earth. Else they're going to go to hell. I have to be that sacrifice for them to not go to hell. I can explain a very, very simple term. I just need some little props here. Let's see. Let's just use something simple. Let's use a guitar. Why not? Yeah, right. I will smash this guitar when I'm done. All right. So, man fell in sin in the garden. If you think that that story is stupid, I just think you're stupid. Because look at this world. This world is messed up. I don't care. Listen. It doesn't really matter the, the reason, because I wasn't there. I believe it by faith, and you weren't there. It doesn't really matter the reason for our sinful condition. It's just realizing that we are in a sinful condition. I don't have to teach my son not to be, uh, I don't have to teach my son to be bad. I got to teach him to be good, because he wants to be bad. I don't have to teach my son to, to to, 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 to be greedy, I have to teach him to share. I don't have to teach my son uh, to be um, mad. I have to teach him how to stay happy because we're sinners. You get it? We're sinners. See this one? This is, this is earth, full of sinful man, okay? It's unplugged from God, all right? This is heaven. This is where God seeks to have us. This is, this is our relationship with God that he seeks to restore. Christ was seated at the right hand of God. And he realized he needed to do something to save man that he loved. And he says, I will go to earth. I will go to earth. Boom. Born, born of a virgin, of not, of not a sinless virgin. Mary was a sinner, just like every other man that was ever born besides the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Born of a sinner, born of a virgin, born a little baby, raised up, lived 30 years, started his earthly ministry for, for three years, lived to the age of 30, healed the sick, uh, gave sight to the blind, raised the dead, 
fed thousands, walked on water, uh, shot up from the Mount of Olives, and then died on an old rugged cross. And what was the last thing he did before he died on that cross? Before he said it is finished? Did he split the universe in half? No, the Bible says that he gave everlasting life to a dirty, rotten thief who was hanging next to him on the cross. That was the last thing that Christ did before he said it is finished and died on the cross. That's the last thing. Think about that. Of everything he could have done, his conclusion of his great essay was to save a dirty, rotten thief who was condemned to die. Think about that. Gave his life, died, boom. Late, he said, I don't, he says, no one takes my life. He says, I laid it down. And he laid his life down to become a bridge so that sinful man can be reconnected with God. That's it. If you want to be reconnected with God tonight, if, you, if you've never formed that relationship, listen, you're going to go to hell where there's going to be a lot of really good people and I'm going to go to heaven with the dirty, rotten thief on the cross and a lot of really bad people, right? Because what's a good person? What's a good person? A good per- Only God is good. Only God is good. I'm ending it on that. Only God is good. If you know tonight that you need the goodness of God, you need that bridge, I don't know what this, who this message is for. Maybe there's somebody tonight who is, who is resisting the will of God, and God is calling out to them. This could be your last night on earth. I don't know. You don't know. But if don't resist the Holy Spirit of God. If the God of the universe comes knocking on your door, he's like, yo, let me in. Who are you? I'm the God of the universe. What do you have to sell? Nothing. I'm the God of the universe. Let me into your home so I can share with you all the amazing things that I've done and that I have for you. Why would you ever turn that down? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, um, Lord, we thank you for, um, for all that you've done. We thank you for your word. Lord, your word is, uh, is life. It's light. Um, Father, it's the light of the glorious gospel that gives us everlasting life. Lord, whether we um, live to be 120 years old um, or whether we die from the coronavirus this week or next, Lord, we're going to die one day. This life has an expected end, Father, but everlasting life is forever. And if there's anybody here tonight that says, you know what, I've never grabbed the hold of that everlasting life. It sounds good, but I made a lot of mistakes in my life. Or, you know, I'm just not ready to give up some things. Or, you know what, I, I just, I, I, maybe later... Listen, God will take you for who you are, but don't turn him away. Don't turn him away. He's not some new cable subscription. Okay? He's not a gym membership. He's not a New Year's resolution. And he's certainly not a bunch of these and nows and uh, crushing laws that we can never follow and feel guilty our whole life, he's not that either. He seeks to give you everlasting life because he loves you. Because he loves you. Much more than even your own parents love you. Believe that. And if there's anybody here that under the sound of my voice says, I want to know that Christ, I want to have him in my heart tonight, all you got to do is bow your head and say, Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. That's what the thief on the cross said. 
And Christ said, Today, on this day, thou shalt join me in paradise forever. Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Take me to heaven when I die. He'll take you. I promise you. You say that with your heart, and that's all it takes. Because he loves you that much. No strings attached. He loves you that much. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for allowing us to be here. In Jesus' name, amen.